I, I would define this as beyond a difficult market. It's a difficult, ambiguous market. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, have you taken to watching Korean baseball yet? Uh, I have not, but I am super excited that uh, I think we'll be able to watch some PGA this weekend. And I used to be a big NASCAR fan, but I haven't watched it in years. And I'm excited to watch the race this weekend. You're, you're excited to watch people turn left. It is a sport. It, it, if, it is a, I will go on the record and say it is a sport. So I'll say it's a competition. <laughs> this is where we're going to start. Sure, why not? Uh, the drivers are true athletes. I mean, these guys, their eye-hand coordination, their uh, everything is is. So, are are e gamers true athletes? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you could you could. There's, there's not a lot of physical – I mean, there is a lot of eye-hand coordination there, but um... – Is figure skating a sport? I would say it's a sport. Is chess a sport? Uh, no, chess isn't a sport. That's what, that's what we're going to do on this podcast today. We're going to run just gonna through question me. various activities, and Mike will decide yeah. whether they are um, – uh, Qualify as sports or not. Whether they are a sport or not. So, um, so what? So if we're, we are recording this. We are uh, – we're eight weeks past I've, – I've, I've come to – I call it the COVID now. So if someone, call, yep. if someone coughs, I say – it's the COVID. Remember the, uh, you know, the, uh, oh my God, I'm going blank off. Zoolander. Remember the movie Zoolander? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the black lung pop. It's the black lung. So if I could do Ben Stiller's Zoolander voice when he's talking about the black lung and it's the COVID, that's what, that's what I think. So um, um, news just came out this morning. 2.98 million more people filed for unemployment. We're now up to 33 million, I think it is, over eight weeks. Yeah, awful. Um, and uh, I guess you could say that's good news, right? It was. It was less than the first time in seven weeks. Right. Right. It was less than <laughs> less than expected, but like, uh, like if tell that yeah, tell that to the family that, that lost their income. Well it it's five times than the worst ever, except for the seven previous weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's uh it, it's pretty bad. The environment's still uh the environment's still confusing. There's I think there's a lot of um I think there's a lot of confusion and chaos. I think people are are I think people are confused because eight weeks ago, everyone thought the floor was about to fall out. Like I've never done the house of horror uh, at Disney. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a 30 yep. story drop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I think they thought that we were about to start, we were about to be on the house of horror ride. Right. And, um, if you use the HubSpot data that they're sharing around their whole um, adapt, 
on, on, on pre and post, you, you know, you definitely saw a meaningful reduction in, um, in deals being created and deals being closed. Um, but if you look at a lot of other sales metrics around, um, I know from my experience, et cetera, I, I think that people like the floor hasn't dropped. I mean, there's definitely something, you know, like something's up, but would you agree that like that's how most people are probably where most people are right now? Yeah. I mean, for, you know, industry specific, but yeah. And even without industry specific, I mean, I, I know some restaurant owners that they're, um, they're seeing huge upticks in their business just because they've adapted and, um, yeah. And I guess, I guess I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking about our audience. The, right. Yeah. I mean, the world did not it just come to it. I mean, it did halt, but it, it, it didn't come to a absolutely screeching halt and everybody's. So Mike, I think you forgot that we're starting the restaurant um, marketing podcast, podcast. Yeah. later. That's not, that's not this one. That's not this one. Okay. Right. Right. Sorry. Right. Forgot. Um, you know, so it, you know, it's, it's interesting if you take a look at some of the multifamily data, um, you know, around people paying rents, et cetera, that's actually um, held up um, really well. And the, the underlying theory behind that is that, you know, the, the money put into the system has, has kind of kept a couple of things propped up. Uh, so, so again, I think people, I think people are confused um, because they expected something and it, uh, and I think all, all things considered for most B2B companies right now, I think most people would probably say they're in a, um, better position than they thought they were going to be in, or things are better than they thought they were going to be eight weeks earlier. Yep. Madrid. I would agree. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think we're through it? No. Hell no. And, and, you know, that's my concern. Um, I think, I think there are a couple things that people are missing. Um, you know, there have been, there, there has maybe been one thing, and, and I would actually say to some degree, I, I'm not even sure if, if what just happened is actually a bigger earth shattering, you know, the whole American revolution, the shot heard around the world, kind of the economic shot heard around the world. Um, I don't think there was, I don't think there's been anything in my lifetime bigger than Lehman Brothers Bear Stearns going out. In, in 2008, I think it was, maybe it was 2007, but right in the, you know, it, it triggered that. Um, I remember that like literally the next day, the repurchase market. So basically the money market market, the one day maturity market, like, you know, the, the debt securities that mature one day later, there was nothing. They didn't trade one day. Um, that was the equivalent of the Earth's core didn't rotate for a day. Just stopped. Right. right. Which we would, which, which at least, uh, you know, the one movie that I watched about that, if that ever were to happen, that's basically the end of life on Earth as we know it. Yep. Uh, and, and so like that happened, that was, that was massive. That was previously believed to be impossible. But it was still like nine to 12 months later before we were told we had been in recession, right? It was still, and, and, there was, and there was debate about that. And we were out of recession by 2010, 
but for all practical purposes, maybe the earliest was around 2013 that, that you began to see non-recessionary, you know, non like deep recessionary type behavior, right? And, and if you think about it, any other recession that I've been alive for, you, you debated about whether or not there was a recession for months until someone came and said, uh, officially meets the definition or not, right? Here, like on March 13th, Friday, March 13th, bam. Um, everybody says we're in recession now, right? Everybody yep. freaks out. Everything blows up. Um, and I think, so what worries me is that the, that the damage, uh, you know, especially in a, in, a, in a B2B environment, the damage of the recession, the difficulty of the recession is the downstream impacts of, right? Now, this is unique because typically a recession, it, economic factors trigger the recession. Now, you and I had talked about, I think this gets overlooked, you and I have been talking about for, for the last year, that, that if you look at the underlying economy, there was definitely weakness happening. If you take a look at, at profitability of companies, I think for all practical purposes, there are certainly exceptions. Um, and, you know, it's beyond think. I don't have the specific data here, but, it, it, you know, for all practical purposes, companies have not been making, have not been increasing profitability over the last three years. The, no, there's been a lot of, so much of it uh, has just been propped up. Um, right. It's, it's been by different, it's, by different factors. It, it, you know, it, 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 none it, of them were running. To, most companies weren't running at least I shouldn't say most, a lot of businesses were not running sane, sustainable businesses. Well, and, and if you take a look at the stock market, um, you know, the, the, you know, the rise of the last, you know, the previous three years on the stock market, it, it, it has been fueled primarily. Well, so you had a, you had a, a an artificial bump up of, of the tax of the yep. tax cut. You had share buybacks in record, record numbers, which reduces the number of shares. And at the same time, partially because there were fewer shares out there um, and private equity has become such a big thing, there's more, there's more money supply for stock investments. I actually read that there are half as many public companies today as there were, I think it was 20 years ago. Right. That's and interesting, so, but so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, so right, I'm not surprised at all by that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so stock, stock, the stock market grew because people were paying bigger multiples and there were fewer shares outstanding. It wasn't that they were really making more money. So, so we had been talking about that, but, but clearly this recession was triggered by the artificial decision of, Hey, we need to shut down. Now I got to tell you, I find it hard to believe that you're going to have 33 million people in the United States alone out of work. And that's not going to have a negative impact on the underlying, on the underlying economics. And in a B2B world, you, you, you've got this whole downstream effect. And so I worry that people are beginning to um, move to a place of complacency. Um, and so I think, you know, and, and, and I think it's aided by like the insanity of, of the stock market right now, which I'm not yeah. going to get into. We're not, we're not going to make this a, um, a finance show today, but, but you, you have that and, um, I, I am in the camp. I, I, I don't want to say I'm a bear, but I am in a, I am in the camp of, I don't think we've touched the bottom. 
we maybe came close to it, but we haven't touched the bottom yet. I'm, I'm going to 100% agree on that. I, I, I think there's, you know, you know, buy on the speculation, sell on the news, yep. um, as, as, as the saying goes. So, I, you know, I think you still have this major question of what do you do as a salesperson? Right. What do you do as a selling organization? I, I don't think it relates only to salespeople. I think it, it relates to marketing, e- even on the customer success side. Um, how do you sell in, in um, like this is a, I, I would define this as beyond a difficult market. It's a difficult, ambiguous market. Because like I know I've had some conversations with people where if we were, you know, if, if we were unquestionably in a negative trend, then, then they would be going, you know, they would be in the, okay, what do we need to do to survive mode, right? Which, which would in essence put some level of an action path in place. What, what I'm seeing, and actually Gartner came out with some from, from their CSO council, uh, came out with some interesting stuff that, that they're, you know, they're anticipating layoffs, but they're not making layoffs yet because they want to see what happens. And, and if it turns out that it ends up not being as bad, as they thought it was, they want to make sure that they're in a position for, and, you know, you know, and, and, and all these different things. So, so you're in this really, really ambiguous market. Um, wait and wait and see kind of situation. Right. Um, and, and, you know, so, so the, the thing that I think people miss when it comes to decision-making context is so crucially important, you know, really every, every purchasing decision, I, I would actually say every decision someone makes, but certainly every purchasing decision a person or a business makes is in reality a bet on their perception of the future, right? And, and so if I believe the future is going to be worse, then I'm going to make decisions and purchase, and I'm going to make purchasing decisions. I'm going to bet that things are going to be worse. Um, and if I think things are going to be better, which is why the consumer confidence index is, is so important, is you know, the economy grows when confidence is high because people will buy on betting that things will be better tomorrow than they are today. Um, and so they're more likely to spend money and so forth. We're, we're in this place where I think people are, um, have lost that context and they don't know what bet to make. And so it be, it's even harder to make a decision. It's, and, and it's not the physical part. It's not the demographic part. It's not the, the logical or factual part of the decision-making side. It, it is the pure emotional how humans, and we are all humans, how humans work in, in, in differing environments with no clarity, there is only ambiguity. Um, I actually, um, I believe officially now it's referred to as a VUCA environment, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, right? And, and so I think it's safe to say that even if it ends up like, even if we have hit the bottom and, and we're, you know, we see recovery in the next six months, et cetera. I don't think volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity are going away anytime in the next several years. So I think we're, you know, in that VUCA place, we're in that difficult market. Um, what do you, what do you do as a salesperson? What do you do as a selling organization? Uh, I, well, I don't think it's a broad, um, broad brush. I mean, from my perspective, it's not a broad brush answer. Um, it really depends on what you're selling, who you're selling to, who you can support, how you can support them. Um, I mean, uh, like you, I've been in multiple recessions now, 
um, unfortunately during the last couple of years of a huge boom, I was, I was starting a business. Um, but when I was doing enterprise tech sales, I was in, involved really in two recessions at that time. And I know what I did to be successful. I focused on, uh, companies that I knew were, uh, were growing. Uh, they were supporting industries that were growing, uh, that they had money, but not every business has that has that flexibility or maybe they do but they've, they've got to they've got to search harder for it um and this is a little bit where i hate to use the term because i think it's a overused term is you know account-based marketing comes into play much more is i think strategic i shouldn't even say strategic but strategic selling so so tell us more about that Who are you focusing on? Why can you help them? You know, what, what, who, who are you focusing on and why are you focusing on them? What, what makes them different from this other business that, uh, that has a, a want for your product um, and potentially a need for, 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 for your product or service? How, how do you approach them? As far as, so you're, you're you know it's it, it's a difficult market. You know that your that your prospects are probably far more sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. You're not going to so, be able to meet them at events and and, and, and things like that. I mean, it's through digital channels. But so, but I mean, like, how, how do you how do you get a conversation? Like, how do you approach them in the sense of? Um, you know, I think a lot of salespeople and a lot of selling organizations have a fear that if I talk to you about doing something you're not already doing, the response is going to be, what are you crazy? We're, we're, we're cutting expenses. How can you, how can you be talking to us about buying something right now? This is ridiculous. Don't you know what's going on in the world? Well, look, it, it, the, the, it, any, any leadership that's not addressing that point, look, if, if, if we're not as businesses selling, we're just, we're just contributing to the problem and we're going to contribute to that decline. Right, so but, I wouldn't say so would, like, would stop you change selling. nothing? Would you change nothing? No, I, I would absolutely change some things. I would change probably, you know, a little bit of my approach here or there. Um, you know, I, I would absolutely double down on, um, double down on inbound principles, but at the same time, take a little bit of an outbound, you know, a more strategic outbound approach. All right, so if I'm listening to you right now, I'm saying, okay, he just kind of took uh, both sides of the same coin. So tell us more about that. All right, if I'm, a, if I'm a sales rep in today's world, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna take a step back and I'm gonna say, okay, I was selling to all these industries that was selling a solution, selling a product or a service but then shit hit the fan a lot of companies aren't spending money i'm gonna say okay what industries do i believe are still positioned pretty well both financially their business is probably operating the same maybe a, a little bit of a decrease heck maybe some of them are even growing I'm going to put together a list of those companies. 
And I'm going to start sampling. Or I'm going to start trying some new things within those industries to try and penetrate them and then see what works. And if I find one specific industry that is just like willing to open up their, you know, open up their time, their wallets, et cetera, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to completely focus on that specific industry. So you're asking me about tactics. That's what I would do. So, so you're, you're, um, and by the way, I agree with what you said. Yeah. You're, you're going to work harder to focus even more on specific segments. Absolutely. So you identified these segments. You now need to start doing things proactively. Do you approach them any, does your approach change at all from before? Well, language probably changes. I don't know. Maybe, so you, I don't know. So maybe, you drop maybe. the F-bombs. Right, right, right. Well, I think people will probably drop more F-bombs today than, than ever. I think you try to be unique or creative in the way that you, uh, you know, you, this whole cookie cutter approach of let me blast out, you know, as a sales rep using, you know, outreach or one of these tools and I could send a thousand emails a day. No, I'm going to take a really targeted approach to personalization. I'm going to read articles about what are other people doing to personalize? What are people doing to do this? You know, to, to, to really get into, you know, understand that these are true people on the other end of it. You know what? Let, let's and, pause there. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Cause I am, I mean, I, it, it was in my 20 for 20 at the beginning of the year, but 20 for 20, stop personalizing, start being personal. Right. Yep. <clears throat> and there's the whole debate out there about, um, you know, I think I saw somebody say better to better to spend 20 hours to send 20 emails that are totally personal than to spend five hours to spend to send 200 emails or something like that. Um, A, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I'm going to say if I'm doing enterprise sales, yes. Higher ticket uh, ACV. But, but what's the higher, that's what I meant is what's a higher ticket? Like how, how big is the ticket? Depends on, depends on what my quota is. I got I to work back from the numbers. Like how many deals do I have to close this quarter to, to, to reach my goal? And, you know, how many people do I have to contact? What's my close rate? You know, and some of those numbers are going to be blown out or blown out because, there's a lot of companies not that have that have stalled. Let me let, so let, maybe let, I have let to me, double that. Let, let, let me change the. Uh, let, let, I'm sorry. Let, let, let me change the the question. You 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 actually did a really good job of answering it from the perspective of the salesperson. Um, from the perspective of, of of the organization, you're the head of the organization. You're the CEO or the, you know, VP of sales. Um, how how big a ticket does it need to be to justify that level of personal effort? Uh, again, it, 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 oh, you, dollar amount. I, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. I don't know what my expenses are. I don't know how many salespeople I have, et cetera. Okay. So um, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that if you're not looking at gross profits, 
of mid to upper six figures than um, from an initial outreach standpoint. Um, I disagree with that strategy. All right, well, I'll... I agree that if, if it's a six figure and above ACB, you, you should already be taking that approach. No, no, no. Like that, nothing should have changed there I, whatsoever. I didn't, I didn't say six figure. I said mid six figure and above, like $300,000, $500,000 of gross profit or above, not a hundred. Then I, I, I think you're crazy. Why do you think I'm crazy? One, you'll burn your market, burn your potential for market. How so? Um, How so? There's only so many companies that that have that that spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year with vendors. Wait, 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 wait. You just on 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 small markets like that that are making big big buys. I will do that, but if if you're if you're a hundred thousand dollar if you're ten thousand dollar MRR. Which is a big number for a lot of people. You're selling hundred thousand dollar items, um, and by the way, I'm talking about gross profit. So you might be selling, you might be selling a two million dollar implementation of something, but you're at a okay. You know, so maybe okay. So here, here, right? Okay. So there's one thing of, of of doing research to send twenty emails for over twenty hours, like versus hey, I've got a template that I can kind of cut and paste a couple things into um, to to keep to keep the same tone or keep keep using it type scenario but even then i think if i'm selling a a $500,000 system which is what i used to do i would still cut and paste from different places of what's worked before based off of this industry that industry this industry and i i more or less had a templated to a partial a templated but system i'm not i'm i'm not I'm not taking issue with what you said. I'm just there, there, you know, I hear that a lot and I hear people getting confused. Right. Um, a, and, and by the way, I actually believe that this is a, that, that, that this should be coming from marketing more than anything else. It should be utilized by sales. But uh, and again, you know, our approach, right? We send. Yeah. We send so very, I, I, right. Right. You, you guys, you guys do a very good job of creating templated emails that work for, for, the industries that you serve. Now, I will take a little bit of, I, 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 part of me, and again, this is, this is more of a philosophical, maybe it's not even philosophical. I agree that a lot of the messaging should come from marketing. The problem is most businesses, their marketing departments don't actually talk to the actual consumer of their products. So they don't really know what their products are, are, are even, like in a lot of instances, they don't, they don't really truly know why people bought. So, I mean, we, we just had this debate before we even got on here about HubSpot's article about Salesforce versus HubSpot. It's the same scenario. The guy that wrote the article never. No, understood. I don't know. No, no. We're a, we're opening up a can of worms. I don't want to open up, yeah. but no, I right. don't, I, I think that's totally different. I think that's totally different. And I, I actually think, 
um, I think HubSpot does an exceptional job around their messaging. So I don't, I don't think that's a, um, um, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you that, 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 that there aren't a lot of companies that, that are doing that. I, I would say to the salesperson that's listening to you um, or is already putting that kind of effort in and they're a salesperson and they're not the head of a sales organization, I would say, A, you probably have the makings of being the head of a sales organization and B, yep. you should probably find the company that is putting that effort in. Cause if you're having to do that all on your own and you have to hit a number, then you're getting screwed. Right. You got, you got. Yeah. 100%. Right? Totally. So, so, yep. Agree. So, so, so go to the company that's already done a lot of that work for you. Cause you are clearly ahead of the game. Right. Um, hey, and if you're that guy, we might be looking for you. So let me know. See that? Yeah, no, call, see call, me, call, we are, call, call me. Call me. Call me. Call me. Right. Um, and 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 so you know, so so we deliver contextualized emails. We deliver highly contextualized emails early on, and what we look for is for somebody to give a signal. Right. We're we're looking for a signal. So so I have an interesting take on difficult markets. I think difficult markets are difficult to the people selling in the market. Because all of because of all of the emotional mishigas around everything, okay. But if you if you take away the um, you know it, if you take away the 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 insanity, if you will, if you take if you take away the the packaging of a difficult time, because because the packaging of a difficult time is always different. Um, so I, I would say that a in a difficult market you absolutely have to behave differently and approach differently than in a good market because of the underlying difference in, in, in what is, what is causing the behavior. Right. And so in a good market, there is a lot of pre-existing demand. Companies on their own are looking to do new things. They're being stimulated to do new things. They're, they are in a pursuit mode. So the market has more intent. Now, some of what you said in, in terms of your, I'll look at the market and see which segment is this and which segment is that. In, in your own way, what I heard you say is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weed out and, um, and let marketing nurture the, the super duper, like there's no chance of intent people right now you didn't say that but i'm giving credence to the yeah no, to the company right, right? Yeah. and and, and right. what you're looking for is where where is the possibility for intent maybe there is even some intent in that market but where is the possibility for intent because by the way in this market even companies that are good you're you're not we had started to prune our tech stack because our our tech stack i mean i I'm, I'm working with a company that's more than 200 times bigger than us and my, and we're spending twice what they're spending on tech. And that kind of hit me that I'm like, Hey, maybe we've gotten, maybe we're a little bit addicted here. So, so we had started to do that, but I'll tell you what, I did as much pruning of the tech stack from March 15th to the 20th that I did for the previous six months when we had, had, had begun doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so even companies that, that are in a, in a good situation, they're still behaving differently and they're still pulling back and, and they're not hiring as aggressively and they're not, you know, jumping on the new thing and, and, you know, and, and this, that, and the other. So the, the structural difference is that you as a salesperson used to be able to survive, maybe even thrive 
by, you know, I would say if the, just because the fish are jumping in, in your boat doesn't mean you're an angler. You, you got to go around and say, okay, well, where are the fish closer to the top of the water? Right. Um, the, you, let, let, let me find the hungry fish. I, my, my, my bait doesn't need to be as tasty. It doesn't have to be as, as, as exciting or attractive, et cetera. Um, I don't have to be as strategic, if you will. Um, the fundamental aspect of what happens when, when a market goes down, the fundamental aspect of what happens when a company has to cut their budget is intent disappears. And so we go from being in a potentially high intent market to an almost certain low intent market, All right? Now, I kind of think it's funny. That's probably the wrong word, but like 30 years ago, sales organizations were the go-to in recessions and maybe I'm glorifying it a little bit, but you know, sales organizations spent a lot more time developing their market 30 years ago than they do today. And they do today, absolutely. Right? You know, th 30 years ago, we didn't have um, high intent data, right? We weren't, we weren't doing post intent this and, 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 and that and AI, um, whatever this, there's a 97.3% chance that this person's going to make Lead scoring right? and right, right, you, right. You know, yeah. um, I, I, I'm, I'm actually working on a piece of content about how data is making us, is making sales and marketing companies, uh, organizations stupid. Right. So, you know, if, if you had been developing your market for a while, what you do is you double down on the market development activities. Um, very few of them have. And, and, and look, here's the thing. Those people with intent, they have intent. They're going to buy, right? If somebody needs something, they're going to buy. I, I find this fascinating because I don't think you lose anything when you, when you position yourself to appeal to low intent people. Um, I think that outreaches that are focused on, on are we a fits and buys and hey, here's the hottest product and hey, you know, General Electric, you know, three years ago, General Electric was struggling with this problem. Then they found us. We can do the same thing for you. Um, look, look I'm, I'm making fun of it. That stuff can work in a good market um, because there are plenty of people that are looking for something. And so, your, you know, that, that endpoint product centered, service centered, I'm not going to call it solution um, message, it, you know, it can fit. And someone goes, yeah, let me, let me, let me check that out. Yeah. We, we're, we're, we're needing that. Um, you know, that, that has diminished. I mean, so let me, let me pause here and ask, would you agree with me that, that fundamentally, the difference between a difficult market and a good market is level of intent. No. Okay. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I wouldn't see your face. No, absolutely. I did. Right. That's a, that, that's a great way of looking at it. That, that right. is a, there, that's a much clearer picture of, of looking at it is, there, is the intent component. Right. There, I mean, there, there's this whole wrapper of, yeah. of insanity that, that, that right. right. Absolutely. And, and so, what, what you have to do um, is, is you, you don't get to pay lip service to always be helping, right? Um, you know, Warren, one, one, of my, one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes is, you only learn who's in the ocean swimming naked when the tide goes out. And, and we're seeing a lot of salespeople that have been swimming naked. As a matter of fact, I got, I got a company, really good company. 
And their sales team's freaking out because, you know, we're talking about sharing insights with, and they're like, what, what, what am I supposed to say to them? Where, where, where's the product that I'm selling? They, they don't know how to talk to somebody. They, they, they don't actually know how to help somebody. As a matter of fact, you say, well, how were you helping them before? Well, well, I helped them figure out what the, you know, what the best price for this product was. I'm like, no, that's, that's not helping them, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you, you know, you've got to, I, I, I talk a lot about what causes sales, right? As a matter of fact, I just had, I just had this conversation today because this company used to do this assessment. You know, they, they, they have an assessment that works really well for them. Um, and, it, you know, they, they, they deal with high-velocity manufacturers and distributors. And so the assessment takes place on, on the floor. Well, they're not letting them in the floor. Like, you can't come in. So they're trying to figure out how, how does it go, you know, how can they do this in, in, in more of a virtual environment? So, so we're going through that and they're saying, you know, they asked me the question, we actually ended up redesigning and, and when they can get back on the floor, um, it, it, it's really going to unlock a whole lot of opportunities for them. But they, you know, they asked the question, well, you know, but is this going to translate into sales? And I said, look, I, you know, I can't tell you whether or not the company's going to, um, going to buy without you, you know, with, without the floor visit or whatever. Um, I can tell you, if you take this approach, you know, they may be telling you today, you can't come on the floor, but once you tell them our analysis says that you're losing about $8 million, which, you know, based upon your market cap is, you know, about a hundred million dollars of, of, of stock value, um, that, that they, that they would probably, that they would be more likely to make an exception to bring you on the floor you know, if, if they believe that that problem is there. But I said, but here's the other thing, you know, maybe it's a situation where because of that, they can't buy from you right now. Right. I, yep. can, I, I, can, I can tell you if you take this approach and you teach them about their problem, um, I, I can tell you they're going to be a hell of a lot more uncomfortable every day until you can come onto the floor. I can tell you when, when the floor opens, you're going to be at the head of the line for, for vendors that can come in and I can tell you that when they can buy again, you're going to be in a whole lot better position to be able to sell. And, and who knows, you might show them that, that this is costing them $8 million. And, and they're looking at budget cuts. And someone says, well, wait a second, here's $8 million of savings. Maybe we don't have to cut this if we can capture this $8 million of savings, right? Um, you you got to really be be doubling down on what's the teaching point of view. So, so like, I agree with what you're saying. I would add, um, I would actually say not even how can I help them? I would say, what can I teach them? What can I teach them? Absolutely. And I agree with you. I mean, that, that, I think that's, and now that you frame it in that, in that way, I think that's what a lot of sales and marketing in recent years have not done. They took this, they have not been very good at teaching. They've been very good at how can I help you uh, type, type scenario. Yeah, they've been very help. They've been very good at the, how can I help you? Like when I walk into a retail store and the person right. says, right. Good yeah. afternoon. How can I help you? Right. Um, hey, and here's again, my fast are, lane to purchase. Here's, here's an example. Amazon web services. I mean, those guys are still, killing it but you know what google and microsoft started to catch up we started looking at we use amazon web services we started looking at google and azure 
we're like, ah, this is actually pretty, this might be pretty compelling because we spend a fair amount every month with Amazon and shifting to one of those other platforms wouldn't be that difficult. So we started exploring, doing some financial. And so I called AWS rep and I was like, look, man, I'm just going to be completely transparent. He was in that, he's not in a, let me teach you. He's in that, let me help you still scenario. And I think you're right. A lot of businesses, not only salespeople, but marketers and businesses have now got caught with their pants, you know, naked as the tide has gone out. Think about this. AWS could be proactively going to a market to say, here's how to get more from your stat. Here's here's how to cut costs, right? Um, look, we always know in, in good times, we, we, we get lazy with our costs. And in bad times, we cut because we have to. And everybody that I've ever known that's gone through a bad time successfully, they say two things. First off, we should have cut earlier and faster. Uh, and the second thing they say is, you know, we should have done this before we hit a bad time. The reality is this cost us a lot more than, than, than it should have because we knew we shouldn't have been doing that for two years. So again, this strategy works in good markets. That, well, that, right. That, but that's hindsight 2020. I knew I should have, I knew I should, I knew this sales rep was not going to work out in this position four months ago. Why did I make the change then? Um, but, 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 but if you get what I'm saying, so Amazon could be yeah, you know, actively I, I, delivering, I guess, right. you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a client. This is the one place where they're having success. They sell tech. You know, they're, they're a reseller on tech and, 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 you know, we, we had started having them message around um, tech stacks are getting fat. Um, there's a lot of redundancy. There's a lot of, you know, all, all, all this stuff. So, so they had a little bit of a head start, but they're now reaching out talking about, you know, here's how you can prune your tech stack to keep your capability because there's a lot of redundancy in it. And they created a, an assessment offering basically to identify redundancies in tech, you know, in, 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 in the overall tech stack. Right. Yep. And people are like, yeah, we, we, we need to figure that out, right? Because we got to figure out how to get down to X. And, um, and, and what's happening is they're actually selling new tech. Here, I'm going to sell you this one piece or this one app, you know, whatever we call it today. I'm, I'm following, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, but it replaces three things that you have right now. Yep. Right. So I generate a new sale and you save money. Right. There, there's all those places where, where, where we could be oriented um, and, 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 and moving that forward and teaching them. And, you know, I always say it's, you know, if you teach them the problem, you create the space that your product or service fits into and fills. Um, we keep trying to like jam the, the, the box in, you know, into it to create the hole at the same time. Um, this is the time that you real, you know, you have to start there. You know, I always say the best, actually, this was probably about 20 years ago, maybe even longer than that now. Maybe it's like 25 years ago. I was doing sales training and I was saying something about, um, I said something about, you know, what being a great salesperson meant. And, and they asked me, what's your definition of a great salesperson? And I don't know where the answer came from, but it was like just a, unconscious flash of genius. I take no credit for it. I don't know where it came from. Because it's an answer that I've reinforced ever since. And my definition of a great salesperson is someone who can sell when there's nothing to buy. Right. 
It's, and, and the immediate response I got was, oh, like selling a, a refrigerator to an Eskimo. To which I responded, no, actually, there is a very specific need of why Eskimos need to buy refrigerators. Do, do you know what that need is? Uh, go ahead. Tell me. Um, if you don't put stuff in a refrigerator, it'll, everything will freeze. So anything that you don't want to freeze, you need to put in the refrigerator <laughs> because it's insulated. Right. See, you just got to figure out what's the problem. (laughs) Um, Anyways. So I said, no, no, it's not, it's not that at all. It's, you know, it's not the proverbial um, I can manipulate. It's that it's that when you're not in a position to take action, I still have relevant conversations that influence and change how you think. Right. And I, I mean, I say that if you take this approach, you'll be better in good markets, but it's absolutely critical in a bad market. You have to look how can you have four meaningful interactions with nothing on the table to buy? The conversation is not about buying something. Marketing organizations should say, how can we be relevant in our communication to you for the next 18 months if you couldn't buy a thing? Now, I don't think it's going to take four conversations and I don't think it's going to take 18 months. But you have to be able to do that or you really don't have the depth to overcome the inertia of low intent. And, and, and I think if you, view, if, if you view what should I do, and by the way, I meant to say something earlier, drop the in these crazy times. Drop the- certain times. Um, drop the, I'm sorry, Tom, drop the, uh, I hope you're safe and well. Drop, drop all the bullshit that you would never have sent before this. And just go right into helping. The, the, the reality is for like 98%, unless what you do is specifically related to the adjustments of, what you write, the way you introduce it, you shouldn't be talking any differently. I actually saw something that if COVID's used in an email, response rate, um, it drops by like 60%. No, nobody wants to like- If it's what, if, right, if it's, if it's mentioned in the email or- If, if it's mentioned in the uh, email. Mentioned in the email. COVID yeah, or so there, there was- uh, I don't want to think this, about it. Right, I, I got to go find this video. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. Um, a friend of mine posted on LinkedIn and it was all the big brands, TV shows. Like, and everybody's talking about building a brand and it was like, they did a mashup of all of the things that they said about like COVID and uncertain. And, and I mean, it was like, I mean, this is probably, if you think about the brands and everything that they spent on these, it's, it's tens of millions of dollars in, in, in production uh, for all of these big brands. And it all sounded the exact same. It yeah. was just like, mm-hmm. and, and, and these, and you know, then you've got all these, profits out there that's you know telling everybody you gotta build a brand you gotta build a brand you gotta build a brand and and you know how you build a brand by helping people and so forget the inauthentic bullshit and just get into helping me right or Um, teaching you teaching well that's what uh correct correct i mean correct you know teach me how to save money like if aws taught you how to save money they'd be able to save money and you would be like yeah, I don't need to cut AWS. Or you might even go, hey, AWS has my back. I mean, maybe you wouldn't say that because, I mean, it is AWS. But, um, 
you know, he, no, I, actually, the the, the rep, the, the rep, what? The, full credit. He he was good. He he was. He said, "Look, I, I'll do some things for you short term, and I'm going to try and teach you, and then, um, you know, we'll see where that." And then goes. He, he, here's the final point, because um, we don't have time to to get into this, but I'll tell you what. Um, I think we're really, really close to the now or never point because if, if you look at the underlying structure of what's happening right now, uh, the big are going to get bigger. Um, you know, you yes. see Amazon's buying or they're going to try to buy AMC. Um, yeah. I mean, that's on the consumer side. They're, they're, they're going to eat up, you know, the, the, the middle is, is if you're, the middle is only going to be the domain of, of, of mega companies. And so if you don't, either have an insane specialty in a super duper niche market or you don't move to the level of, of, of leadership and insight um, and, and creation, if you will, then, then you're just going to, you're going to get sucked up and, and, and mid-market companies are going to be, um, you know, they're, they're going to become zombie companies because they're still going to make sales but their margins are going to, are going to shrink and the costs it's, are going to uh, go up and, and they're so, just going to get squeezed. It's so one, I, I, we talk, Eric and I talk about it all the time. I mean, one, it's super scary. It's, it's disheartening. I mean, Amazon's also now they're in trouble because they went and looked at information of their resellers and, you know, cutting margins from them. And, you know, these are people yep. that built their lifeblood yep. selling on, on Amazon. Yep. Yeah. The evil giants, man. It's, it's. All righty, Mike, you got any last comment for everybody before we say goodbye until next time? Uh, I, you know, I think you put it perfectly, you know, get out there and teach, um, teach to help, uh, you know, replace the word help with teach um, in your vocabulary, in your, in the back of your mind. Don't think about how can I help this individual? How can I teach this individual? I, I think that's uh, the key takeaway that I, that I, that I, that I had today. Alrighty. Until next time, everybody go out there and uh, get some growth.